Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron, and today you can call me Old Aaron Paints a lot. Uh, <laughs> and maybe you could even call me Old Aaron Crafty McCrafterson. Um, I am here with a wonderful human being today. Um, he, this is his third time on the show i think second because i think joe oh right right yeah you guys only i wasn't here or something maybe but you guys came twice with white knife didn't you maybe you're right i feel like it i think you guys were anyway uh brian calhoun is here today everybody he is a (laughs) like i said he is a human being uh (laughs) he walks and breathes like most of us he has 10 fingers and 11 toes uh, he is also an amateur ornithologist <laughs> and um, balloon making extraordinaire. He not only does he just make balloon animals, he makes balloon cars, he makes balloon people, he makes balloon balloons, balloon um, payments, and he product tests new renditions of old balloon stuff. So, <laughs> how has the balloon game been for you, Brian? Um, good. Um, it's a little inflated, if you ask me, but I, you know, I manage. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. That's the best joke you can hear today. So I was trying. Um, and speaking of uh, amateur ornithology, you you were telling me right before we started. You know, I had to fire up the mics quick because mm. uh, conversation was was starting to fly away. Spicy. Um, yeah, I. Uh, you were saying that the there's there's a fascinating mating ritual for the yellow-breasted chickadee. You know, I, I used to think it was fascinating, but the more and more videos I watch of it, um, it it's now just become uh, routine, and I find it mundane but necessary. Can you can you go is, explain a little more? Of the- so usually what happens, and this isn't – mating isn't something I've experienced myself, so this is all just uh, conjecture to be sure. honest. Uh, but usually uh, the two yellow-breasted fowl um, – you know, actually, honestly, I don't know. I get too uh, I get too wrapped up in the colors, so it kind of just ends there. Um, Is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't even. They're not even that yellow, to be honest. It's more of like a stained, like a stained, like um, like 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 too much cigarette smoke and a mu- upper mustache of a sixty three year old truck driver. Yeah, exactly. That's actually the most uh, direct way you could relay that. I that is one hundred percent accurate. All right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. W- one thing I've found f- completely fascinating um, with the the foul game in general um, is the propensity for uh, interspecies hate. So you will Wait, find are we talking about humans. No, no, foul duck oh. birds in general. I, I've noticed um, it's it's insanely crazy to find that uh, you know larger bird game like loons or geese or ducks um, will from enter into what i guess you know if to, relating them to humans um birds will covet each other and and they will covet nest size they will covet location of huh. uh nest location to the point where um you even get drive-by eggings <laughs> fly-by eggings i would guess it would say birds will birds will sacrifice the eggs they lay to bomb other birds I, I, and their nests do they ever Lay the eggs during the bombing, like we're talking. That like that World is War exactly what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They save up and they're just like, yep, yep. They they could be uh, propagating their species unless they are, or you know, they. It, it, it's just sad. It's just sad that that species like that that have so much to offer the world will will turn on each other for something as similar, sim, simple as uh, nest location. 
You know, that is fascinating. However, uh, being a human myself, um, as you are, uh, well, I think, hey, you know, I, hey. I mean, <laughs> watch who you're calling humans around least, these parts. You're human presenting. Anyways. Yes. Thank you. Um, we understand completely what, what they're doing. Oh, sadly enough. Of course. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. We just do it on a, you know, on a, on a, a larger scale. We uh, absolutely, we yeah. do. And for, and for far less credible reasons mm. than nest location. Usually zero credibility. In the yeah. Business. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can at least see like, Hey, if you're closer to the food source or the, or the, the running water or yeah. something like that, you may have a, a better chance of your offspring being raised. But if it's, you're just talking about like a new pair of shoes. Yeah. Uh, and we're all close to a Safeway or Fred Meyer, so food really isn't correct. an issue anymore. So I think we come up with things to uh, to um, fight about yeah. at that point. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Maybe we should pay attention to the preposterousness of our feathered friends and uh, notice their tendencies and learn from that, you know? So we could. There's an amazing invention, uh, actually, that allows you to share information about these said birds. However, we tend to use it just for bullshit most of the time. Isn't that funny? Yeah. How how and hate actually. Yeah, yeah. Enough. Well, that's 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 kind of the the most interesting part of it is um, originally you had a technology being created by humans, recognizing we had the the ability to now spread information farther and faster and uh, help ourselves kind of grow and immediately. Like bird egg bombings, it was turned from something that could have been utilitarian yeah. for humankind oh, yeah. into uh, shit posting and memes. And um, yeah. well, let's just be honest; it really it started with porn, and then the rest happened. Ooh, yeah. do you think? Do you actually think porn is the catalyst for the downfall of the internet? Or oh no, 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 no! I think. I think that um, that is probably the one thing on the internet that distracts most people from it being a hundred percent barrage of hate. Oh, yeah, that's ooh. What I'm so, so porn is the saving grace from an actual, uh, yeah, massively hate-filled place. Well, I'd, I'd imagine you could probably do a well, not URI. Maybe we'd be biased in this, but maybe a um, a non-biased study. Uh, and if you found uh, perhaps countries maybe or places that didn't have um, access to said things, uh, there might be they might put their energy in a little bit more uh, spiteful endeavors. Yeah, because uh, they don't have that um, release, if you will. Well, I you know I don't know if we if if you saw this or I've, I I I have talked about it in the past, but remember uh, a couple years ago now when Hawaii had the. Um, Oh, that like bombing that scare? That bomb scare? Like, missiles or whatever? Did, uh, did Pornhub released amazing data uh, sampling from that time, and they saw the, the moment the missile scare was broadcast over Hawaii. Yeah. Within the next hour after that, porn usage went up by 71% in the <laughs> state of Hawaii. In the Jesus hour, Christ. in the hour following the fact that imminent death was coming to that place, <laughs> everybody's. Well, I guess we only got an hour left until missiles rain on us. Minus only one thing to do. Yeah, you might as well finish before you're finished, Jess. But but right. that means that you would have to start as well, not just finish. That means it's like <laughs> I, I don't know if I have the will. 
Eh, I probably do. Yeah. But I mean, but to to know that missiles are following and still manage to become aroused that well, seems. I think I think it, it depends on the context. Like if you're with like your family and friends and stuff, that might be different. But if you're just by yourself in your apartment, like, well, I guess if it's going to happen. But for seventy one percent increase in usage in that time period yeah. across the state of Hawaii, you know there were people at a Ralph's <laughs> or Whole Foods going. Oh, 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 shit, missiles are coming. Ah, at better. At a new season, <laughs> yeah. like, shit, yeah. I got to go back to the chicken area. <laughs> there is, there, there was people dropping their things and what they were doing, you know, for the point of pulling up porn. Yeah. That makes sense, though. That doesn't surprise me. One no, minute. no, um, humans seem... Well, and being, having, had been a, like a 15-year-old male at one point in my life, um, it makes 100% sense. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, thanks for playing along with that. That was fun. Well, um, know, I do what I can. Uh, so, you're here. I am. Uh, thank you for one coming in studio. That is wonderful. It's not very often that, uh, you know, I... I've noticed I miss a lot of my friends and yeah. uh, the human interaction. It's not very often uh, that you get to just kind of sit and talk with people. Yeah, um, th- th- That isn't part of your household, right? You yeah. Know, your, your, your isolated groups. Um, uh, how, you know, in a short recap, I know we, we spoke a little bit about it before, but um, in not so many words, how has, how have you fared I mean, I know that you're saying, you know, you're at work and uh, that didn't really shut down for you in the pandemic, but but just yourself in kind of mental state, um, you know, how have you handled not only the, the, the country shutting down, but music stopping and and kind of the more specifically focused on you? Um, I would say I would say fairly well when I look at how if I use the barometer of other people, um, I mean, I'm not a super extroverted individual my you know my daily routine was wake up go to work come home you know do the thing right so i haven't stopped doing that like my work's still open and other than protocols changing and that sort of thing my schedule is still the same i'm still doing the same thing i was so that's been nice because i'm a definitely a very structured individual when it comes to that kind of stuff yeah yeah not going to concerts definitely has gotten to the point where it's you know a bummer of course you know for multitude of reasons you know not being able to play concerts is a huge part but not even you know or just little things like i used to like going to movies by myself right like self-dates just a nice like on a monday or something everyone else is working to go to a movie chill no one's in the theater doing my thing so i miss doing that um but other than that like i said you know i live with uh my bandmate and one of my best friends joe and it's made it a lot easier hello uh it's made it a lot easier to you know cope with i guess living a more isolated life now him on the other hand he's a lot more extroverted than i am and he thrives off of like human interaction and doing stuff so i think you know he he has been hit a little bit harder he worked at a venue at the hawthorne um and of course without that being open he you know wasn't doing that he works from home though um which is good because he can stay home and not worry about you know any uh external uh issues with you know dealing with the pandemic but because of that he's always just at home so i think Mm. uh, that you know him and i we've you know done everything from you know taking up different board games to you know of course the usual picking shows to watch working on music together Uh, a roommate had moved out 
So we converted her room into a little studio. So those kind of things have helped and allowed us to be productive. But at the end of the day, it can still be draining and kind of just not knowing what of anything. It kind of just – it can take a mental toll, but I think I handle it better than maybe a lot of people just because I'm not a very, again, outwardly extroverted person. That's interesting. So I I find myself to be – I'm, I'm, I wouldn't ever, I've never classified myself as introverted. Um, I do really appreciate me time. Oh yeah. You know, but I don't ever have an anxiety issue or something like, like if I find out, you know, without any pre-planning that oh, all of a sudden people are coming over or oh, within five minutes, I'm going to go and be in a room with a bunch of people I don't yeah. know. Like that never bugs me. Do you have that kind of introverted awkwardness i won't say awkwardness but like is it anxiety inducing or is it just you really like you time or how would you describe your introvertedness i think i just i i really like my me time and i'm a planner so Uh. if i if i know to expect okay on a saturday i'm gonna go hang out with these five individuals and i know them and i can prepare myself for it i'm good to go and there's, of course, there's a few people in my life that I've known for so long that if they just pop by, it's not You're a big fine deal. With that, yeah. But for the most part, you know, I need to, you know, if it was like a Friday night and all of a sudden Joe was like, hey, we're going to have 10 people over. I mean, that would never happen. But, you know, I'd be like, oh, all right, well, I guess I got to got to prepare where people like him or others would be a little bit more like, oh, they'd okay. revel in that. Yeah. yeah. Where, where, where do where does the unease come from? Is it something like, I mean, you say you're a planner, but is it just the the expectation of the unknown coming? Or do you, do you feel like you have to maybe put more of you out than you want to? Is it, is it extrinsically pressured or intrinsic pressure? I mean, probably, I would say it's probably internal, but for me, so I, I plan literally everything. So if I know <laughs> I'm, I'm getting off of work at six o'clock, then I already have a plan in my head of, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to make some food. I'm going to chill out for a second. I'm either going to watch a show or hang out with Joe. And if that gets interrupted, it's not like I get flustered, but my, then I have to kind of revamp what I'm doing. Gotcha. So section everything out. So for you, maybe it's, would you say then it's worse to have your plan interrupted than the plan go to work, but more people be there. Like the plan follow through, like you go home and you're going to be there and other people are just there, but your plan doesn't get distant, like interrupted. Would yeah. that be more preferable to like, Oh, all of a sudden you plan on go- making it home or doing and you know, traffic or there's something that you miss because of. Yeah. So I, you know, actually that's a good point. I think the, the plan being interrupted probably is a bigger, is a bigger yeah. part of it. Now, if like my plans, aren't conducive to having a lot of people like, oh man, I, I need to do laundry tonight. Oh, sure. I'm going to do that with friends, right? Yeah. But if my plan was to watch a movie, then I would probably wouldn't be as big of a deal because like, right. well, they can just watch a movie with me, I guess, because that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's the, uh, it's the plan being interrupted. Probably. Have you always been a planner? Um, like, have you always been someone like worried about your schedule, focused on things going at the right time or 
I think in the last in the last probably decade or so, but only because more of my life has ha- revolved around other people as far as like music, for example. You yeah. know, when you start to take a band seriously, then you have to deal with three or four other usually not too punctual motherfuckers that want to like, you know, that are either going to be late or you have to, you know, organize something. Um, and then at my job currently and at my previous job, you know, I'm uh, managing. Manager, so right. basically I have to babysit people, right? And not really. I have a good group of people, but I say that more in jest. Um, so lately I've had to – I have to – other people, other people's schedules and actions impact my day-to-day more than they did maybe when I was like 20, 20 and just – goofing off and riding motorcycles and yeah literally i would wake up went to work rode motorcycles went back home that's it right so okay really... and you weren't worried too much about planning your day where you feel like when you were younger you were more able to adapt to an unknown yeah. or, or something i just, I just didn't up. have that much going on so it didn't oh, matter like oh. I, I lived at home oh that's I, actually bills weren't as big of a thing and my life was singularly focused like again yeah. i just i work in the motorcycle industry and I rode bikes and that's all i did and now i Work the motorcycle industry, ride bikes, but also am trying to you know continue to do something with music and yeah, yeah. that amount of planning, whether it's studio time, writing sessions, getting four other or three other people together, all those variables. I just have a lot more right. going on, so I it forced me to try and plan. You know, got you. Out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got you. I Calendars. Got you. That's funny. I'm I. While I completely understand that, I, I, it doesn't intrinsically that doesn't like hit me anywhere because I'm I'm someone who maybe even you know gr- gr- yeah I notice that thing is s- sliding down I don't know what's going on with that mic stand. There we go. It's a little droopy. Uh, hold on. Stupid mic stand. I bet that won't go Boom. anywhere. Nice. Woo, we fixed Solid. it. That's 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 live uh, problem solving, everybody. There we go. Um, what I was gonna say is, I I've kind of always been in a place of chaos. I I think I grew up in chaos, um, which at the time it didn't feel like that. But now, thinking back to what my childhood was like and talking to other people who had non chaotic childhoods, yeah, I realize unpredictability was just kind of always a thing that I had to deal with, and I. So you're just kind of used to that. Ooh, yeah, used to it, but. I almost want it. Yeah. Like I do, I find myself, if I could choose, if I knew that driving home from work, one way was the the way that nothing would happen, but I could easily just take a different turn and go down a street that maybe would be unpredictable or, yeah. or I might run it. I will choose that route because I don't know what I'm going to get myself into more oh, often than just nope. picking the, 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 the known true path. You know, I, I find myself doing that and it's taken me up and, you know, probably that right now, this age, this yeah. year, when all of a sudden I didn't have as many things to be unpredictable. Yeah. Like I, I, my, my life just really got simplified. Um, yeah, it's it's it. I find myself now st- straining, f- wanting something crazy <laughs> to happen. Like, like, like the other day, uh, you know, during the snowpocalypse. Yeah, uh, we had all the all the trees were falling down uh, around here. Yeah. You know, just everywhere, trees fall chaotic. down. Chaotic. <laughs> well, yeah, and so 
tree, you know, the, the big branch fell off the tree right across the street. And so for the last few days, the arborists have been out taking the tree down Yeah, and I'm watching them climb up with their ropes and I'm like watching like, Hey, are they doing a good job securing <laughs> themselves to that tree or is one of them going to fall? Yeah. Or, or is like, Hey, is like, Oh, the best thing, uh, on my way to work, uh, a big elm tree or some kind of, not elm, it wouldn't be elm, but some big tree fell over yeah. across the street, crushed two cars and folded itself up against a, an apartment building. Oh. And just like big one, just <laughs> damaged. And I drove by and every day, instead of taking the normal turn home, I would drive past the neighborhood to drive back through and look at the wrecked cars <laughs> as I drove by just to see the damage. And like the first one of them was like a late nineties or early two thousand Jeep TJ um, yeah. Wrangler. And, and I was like, first, my, my first thought was, is it salvageable? Yeah. And then I, and then once I realized, Oh, it's not salvageable. Yeah. Uh, that thing's total. Then I wanted to see how bad it was. Yeah. And so I kept driving by just looking at this wrecked car. See, I find I, it's interesting. So I feel like in an apocalyptic scenario, like a Mad Max style thing, like you would thrive in that environment. Oh yeah. Where me, and I've had this conversation a lot recently, oddly enough, especially with, with Joe or whatever, that if like let's say one day just the apocalypse started, let's say it wasn't a slow wasn't a slow burn, it just started. Yeah, I would be the first person to just step out and be like, "Take me, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this." Really, I don't want to live in a world without dentists, man. Like, or like being able or like now, air conditioning. There would be like, dentists. They would just be in a back room of somewhere no. uh, inside of the Allied base that you'd have to transverse the Deadlands to get to. No, they would you. exist still. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I so just, so. What if wh- would you? I'm the, a path of least resistance. So if just dying is the path of least resistance, I'm about it. Ooh, and not even in a dark way. I mean, I'm not. I just. It's like, well, I, I don't. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have an arm cut off. I don't want to be like, you know, forging for food. Like it's just okay. What if? What if though? Would you? What if you you knew your survival could be in, assured? Um, it may be a little harrowing at times, but you have a protector. Say a me who is fine with the whimsy, <laughs> fine with the unknown and the chaos and searching it out for, you know, Twinkies or whatever it may be that, that were lo- – or a dentist across the Badlands. Uh, and you knew that you'd be fine. Like there yeah. was assurance. Now, it may not be as – easy as dying but <laughs> but you would get your dental work from a really good guy yeah but his name's will he's like 35 uh he saved all four of his younger kids when the apocalypse happened well see Are, then i automatically don't trust him because that's just baggage man like what just just to be able to keep performing dentistry he saved like 30 people in a, in a, in a burning apartment building fought off a horde of ogres and managed to uh uh how many ogres are in a horde seven uh, seven to 13 somewhere in that range mm, that's a wide swath you've almost doubled the amount of ogres well i mean i think i think i think if it's below seven it's a troop um and if it's above 13 it's a battalion so horde is right in that that sweet range and how many ogres is a gaggle <laughs> i'm just saying a, a, a gaggle is actually the, the proper nomenclature for multiple hordes actually so, hold on though if if we're in a universe where ogres exist i'm already out i don't want to be there they they were what started the oh yeah then i'm out i'm out i don't the apocalypse I, I don't yep yeah, then i'm out 
I'm mm. good. If I can't have like my own little apartment, like, you can. If it was like an I Am Legend thing where you I can. was the only person left. So here's 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 what's here's what's great. Ogres notoriously heavy. They're 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 thick skin. They're thick bones. Yeah. They have insane muscle mass. Um, so humans have adapted to making rope ladders to tree forts forever. And so ogres, while stuck on the ground and fierce yeah. once you're on the ground, they are rope ladders are impossible for them to climb. Hmm. We can climb them. Yeah. They cannot. So we just live in tree forts with rope ladders. They can't get us. You have your nice little apartment. Uh, well, no, solar, no, no, no. You just power. told me I live in a tree fort, not a tree fort apartment. apartment. I want a brownstone. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. See, I, I know I'm making this difficult, but what I'm what I'm trying to relay is that I'm uh, I'm I would not survive in the wild, and I don't want to me. Me doing this would be a burden on the system. Like oh, if there's, if you got five I people did. fighting for okay. their lives, it's like, well, they clearly want to be here. Mm. Mm. The only thing keeping me here is my biological imperative not to off myself. Right. But that doesn't seem like a good enough reason. So why not give them a better chance, not use up <sighs> their resources, and just dip. do you think any of this translates to you in the the real non ogre tree fort world? Do you, do you find because it sounds like you that description to me makes makes me kind of intuit that uh you you think of yourself as um in or at least in the scenario we're talking about as uh not helpful at all like it almost necess- necessarily in the way um in a in a you uh from a purely utilitarian perspective um, I don't think I'm very helpful. No, I'm aren't not you like, mechanically I'm, inclined? Well, sure, but I'm thinking of like I'm not like a yak, right? Where I can just <laughs> like haul stuff and get people things. Like the the value I have as a human is offering a well intentioned spirit and a little bit of humor, um, and maybe making people's or my friends, hopefully, I guess, their lives a little bit more enjoyable. But it, like when it comes down to like the actual utilities, like. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to build a fire. I'm not going to No, but you will maintain one once it's already going. I mean, sure. I'm a good driver. I could do that. The world, the apocalyptic world needs Brian the Bard. <laughs> like like that is the see I think that that this is kind of the symptom of 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 playing the utilitarian game is it is far too simple to discount one's own tools. By 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 thinking that they are not of utility yeah. to others, yeah, when they are. Well, and I don't I don't think it's required of humans to be of utility to others because that's how we ended up with capitalism. But, um, mm, but it, that's also how we didn't die. Period. Well, it's true. So so then that goes back to the apocalyptic scenario yeah. is where having a utility is is a far more important than offering a intangible, um, uh, you know, extra you know, accessory, right? So sure. uh, in this post-apocalyptic scenario, I, I just, my utility is very little. Oh. And also I'm just, I just don't want to deal with it, to be <laughs> frank. Just like, like, it's just like <laughs> one cooked squirrel is one too quick cooked squirrel yeah, too many. I, I'm just, I, I, really, I'm just selfish <laughs> and don't want to deal with it. Actually, that is, that is the, the, the best answer, period. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I'm and I'm not even joking. Uh, recognizing the selfishness of that, yeah, uh, that's that's how I am. And and for me, I would I 
I find myself very quickly becoming completely 100% selfish as soon as an apocalypse starts. Boom. I'm all for me. But I recognize that I need other humans for my life to be the best. So I would would go Mm. out and I would pick a small gang of people that would be my minions that would that would i would provide them what i can with my utility and they would make me be awesome and so they would i would be in essence by being completely selfish keeping others alive and they would be keeping me alive Mm. it would be all hand in hand they could be i'm fine with them walking around always questioning their utility and if it's worth it yeah but i would tell them guys it is worth it because i'm here yeah I mean, maybe I, I get what you're saying, uh, but I feel like you are a better person. Than <laughs> Here, here's the other thing, too. I don't think that's true. This is what would happen, though. All this is a moot point because if in this scenario, I would go outside, I'd realize we're in an apocalypse, and I'm like, "Well, it's time to get out of here. Like, I don't want to deal with this." Hop but then I, yeah. But then I'd see like a child on the side of the road that needed help. So then I'd end up helping it, and then it would be like uh, it'd be like a Mandalorian scenario or something like that. Totally. Or like Logan, if you will, or whatever yeah, yeah. you know, uh, whatever fictional uh, world uh, that has the same basic premise. So then I'd end up. Then I'd end up taking care of this mm. person or thing that couldn't take care of itself, and then here I am. So then I'm a hero for no reason, and all I wanted to do was not be around because I'm not afraid of death. I I love that 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 poor starving kid on the side of the road that had no help, that had no help but your own um, is pointless for you to be a hero. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that's so beautifully honest, man. I <laughs> I just like that's that's the thing because I, I don't like other people being sad. So if somebody else was sad and me helping them would uh, allow them to not be sad, so then I actually I'd probably end up surviving an apocalypse because yeah I would find I would find myself probably being in the scenario because I'm I I'm kind of a, a no I'm not necessarily a nihilist maybe a soft nihilist uh, I I I am a realist yeah I I I prefer arguments of reason over uh, emotion and um, I would very quickly be the one spotted in the early hours of the apocalypse uh riding or running down or being pulled on a chariot by my minions down a street um seeing that passing maybe even you helping this person this this innocent child and walking and reaching over it for the heavy stone behind it to just get it over with yeah. quicker <laughs> you know like <laughs> like that is that i find myself there now it it would all it really would go back to utilitarianism for uh where my energy that is now limited resource would yeah. go into protection yeah uh and you you have to just discount feeling at that point. I mean, if we're really going that you just, you can't feel bad about those things anymore. See, and I, I like to think that I have a very logical thought process with most things I do, but I also purposely watch like videos that make me cry. I do too. So I do too. I might be more guided by emotion than I want to think I would be. Mm. So that's why, again, well, I, I would have no utility because if I'm just guiding myself by emotion in a world that needed, you know, logic. Now, now recognize we're, we're, you're being in that instance because I do too. I I like my emotions being tugged at. I like being pulled to tears or to uh, panic or something like that unexpectedly. That's yeah. kind of the 
the unknown chaos of it all. Yeah. Um, and me crying at those things because I do. I, I cry at commercials, man. I cry yeah. at. I I am a I am a woefully tearful guy. Um, and I find that that makes me know my brain still works right. I'm not yeah. completely dead inside, um, which oh, is always that. a constant rea- Like it feels good to know that I'm not dead inside. Yeah. Uh, but um, I also, at the exact same time, realized that a little tiny flip of that situation where it was no longer tear jerking but captivating, it, I would be, it's, instead of aghast, I would be laughing at that situation. Yeah. I, I find Fair myself enough. laughing at, at bad things happening far more often than like, <laughs> like oh, that's so repulsive. How could how could someone do? I just kind of laugh at the situation. Yeah, people, maybe it's people getting hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it's it's on it's uncontrollable sometimes. Um, how has uh, okay? Ha, two questions. I'm going to kind of circle back to the beginning of this. Um, Keeping the music alive mm. uh, would be something that I think I would do in an apocalypse as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's been a struggle kind of refinding how we've had to do it in now in our mini pandemic apocalypse. Yeah. You know, just how, how do you want, how would one keep music alive? Yeah. Um, and so you guys, you, so for people who don't know, uh, Brian was in the divides. Uh, that's how, we kind of first met as two Alaska bands who moved yeah. down here near the same time, and we played Battles of Bandses together and did oh, all of man. that fun yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, uh, and then you were in uh, White Knife Study, mm-hmm. and that I, I didn't realize it, it. You guys actually broke up. Is yeah, I mean, we never like announced it or anything, but I, we weren't. Without sounding weird, we weren't a big enough deal to really warrant like, all right, guys, well, we're calling it quits. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah. to all our fans. You know, like I don't uh, – you know, we had people that obviously enjoyed our, enjoyed our music. Of course. But um, we just kind of – you know, and things had kind of slowed down. You know, everyone had their own lives and a few of the members had kids and stuff like that. So, mm. uh, you know, wives and all that kind of stuff. And not saying that that prevents you from doing anything, but you know, a lot going on. And we kind of just was like, well – with the pandemic happening, that was kind of like the final, like, yeah, nail, you in, know, the nail in the coffin sort of thing. It's like, well, you know, there's already some, you know, um, scheduling struggles. We'll call was it. Was it amicable though? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I think we all were kind of like, okay, yeah, there's this, because at the time, last March, April, or whatever, at the time, we we're like, well, I mean, we don't know when we're going to play live music again. And, you know, with uh, one of the members having two kids and yeah. them having to be home from school. And stuff like that. It wasn't as easy for, you know, when it came to rehearsals and various other things. So it just kind of made sense and we got it. And, you know, Joe, Bill, and I, we still uh, to this day um, write music together. So it, we just thought, like, okay, well, we're not going to quit. Yeah. So then we decided to kind of just move on to our next endeavor and uh, continue writing more like electronic focused music and found a singer and. Good. See what happens. Good. Uh, yeah. So, do you, do you have a name now? Do you guys have any? So, um, so we do. So, uh, the name of the new project is called Glass Cameo. Oh, yeah. that's very clever. It's a. Uh, uh, I can't take credit for that. That was all Joe. I guess uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, it's an artifact from a video game. He likes. Okay. Um, one of those things you find when you're. I, I want to say it's 
uh, like a Zelda thing, but I could be a hundred percent wrong. It probably is. Uh, but anyways, it's an artifact in a video game, and he just you know, I, all band names to me sound stupid. <laughs> like every band name, <laughs> it sounds stupid. Like if you if if. You were to come to me and you're like, man, what's your new band's name? And I was like, Aerosmith. But that never existed. You'd be like, Aeros- what is an Aerosmith? That sounds – an Aerosmith? What is that? Right. But they're a known quantity, right? So Sure. Would, would Do you almost wish it was just serial numbers and you were the next band in line in this like this rolling ticker count? And, Have you heard of 432781B yeah. yet? Yeah. Man, four, two, oh, yeah, they're good. But 432897C is really killing it right now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I would like that. It's just I have to like anything else. I have to get used to something because um, most things I just dislike immediately, unfortunately, and then I like it over time or really dislike it over time. So I like the okay. Name that's now. that's interesting. So I find if 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 I immediate if I watch something, listen to something, and I immediately like it, yeah, which is rare. I will only like it for like three days and then I just won't even care about it anymore. But yeah. if it's something that I hear and I'm turned off from it, yeah, and people go, no, it's good though. Okay, let me do a little more. I ha- and I work for it. I find myself liking those in the end more than something that just hearing it the first time and loving yeah. it. I find myself like, it's almost like a flight of fancy. It's just quick in and out. It's it's a quick dopamine hit versus uh, a long... Yeah, I you know I, I I would agree. It depends on what it is, because um, I like a lot of basic like pop music and that kind of stuff. And yeah. yeah, a lot of it's like cool. I like this for like a week or something like that, and then move on. But there's some bands that are considered popular, I guess, um, that I still you know two years into it, I'm still listening to them. So I guess it just depends on I don't know an intangible. Um, what I think is important substance. Yeah, yeah. So what what do you think? That's interesting. I know most creators I know dislike or have a tendency to dislike everything they're shown. Yeah. Uh, what do you think that is? I mean, do you think it's someone saying, hey, I like this, You're pro- you should like this too, and so you have a rejection of their their claim that it's likable, or or is it actually the product itself? Because I think it's, it's nonspecific, right? It could be a movie, yeah. a TV show, a music, a book, a painting. Yeah. I mean, you, you did talk shit immediately about my paintings as soon as you walked in. Oh, yeah, in. they were the worst paintings I've ever seen. Which, which I, I appreciated. Um, You sent my girlfriend crying to the bedroom, but yeah. I I really appreciated the honesty um of, of our terribleness. <laughs> um, Like you said, you don't like everything you see right off the bat. Yeah. So. No, I, I think that, you know, if I don't, if the person showing it to me is an annoying individual, <laughs> then it's tainted by that. Then I really don't want to like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I usually – there's a lot of things, though, I will say. I'm backtracking a little bit. But there are a lot of things that I usually like right off the cuff. And then the more I get into it, the more I like it. And there's some things I don't and then slowly grow into it. Mm-hmm. But I'm a very like a black and white, love it or hate it. I'm very rarely or ever in the middle. And that's with anything, yeah. whether yeah. it's food, you know, I'm a very picky eater, but the stuff I like, I really like with music. I'm the same way. There's, it's either I really like it or I probably mm. don't care. And that's how it is with most things. And like even people, like I have like people that I consider my best friends or I just don't care. 
yeah, uh, apathetic like, to them, right? I, like, right. I've, uh, like, not that I don't care, but I just have a hard time having, like, surface level anything, especially relationships. I'd rather either mm. get to know you and know all the things and have a real genuine connection or not waste either of our time. So, so like the, the, the work coworker pleasantry forced, like, Hey, how was a weekend? Even though, you know, they don't give a fuck about your yeah. weekend. You could just skip all of that part of life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. What's interesting though, is with my coworkers, we've most, a lot of them I've been working with for so long. And the way that the shop that I work at kind of is formulated most people there are friends and hang out outside of work or to some degree and or what about the customer plus like yeah so a lot of customer stuff like a lot of our business we have a lot of long time repeat customers so a lot of them are friends you Uh. know i even have some that like follow me on my social medias and you know stuff like that but yeah just the surface level stuff i just don't i don't know like Eh. Maybe I can really quantify it uh, out there because I think I think I know exactly what you're saying. It's when you go online to look for a recipe for something, and instead of the site just giving you only the recipe, yeah. they tell you a whole story about how their grandma invented it back in the day, <laughs> yeah. and how they had to go to three different uh, stores to find the perfect brown sugar, and all of these things, and yeah. how it's warmth in the soul in the fall of. You know, the equinox and when the moon's out full yeah. and the dew is on the grass, it is the perfect, that that kind when of... When they're clearly a Pisces. Yeah, I get it. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Me either. Um, so it's funny, though, if I get the recipe and let's pretend I make food. If I get the recipe, <laughs> if I get the recipe and I enjoy it, because let's let, let's be honest and Joe can attest to this. I don't cook. Um, but let's say I did. And I enjoyed it, then I want to read the story. But oh. if I got it and I didn't enjoy it, then I don't give two shits about the story. Right. So if I, if I like it, then I want to get fully invested. If I don't, then I don't care. Gotcha. Yeah. So they gotcha. can have a story about their grandma's, you know, their grandma's plight in World War One, being the reason this pie exists. And if I if I like the pie. Then you then care I'll, about. The then I'll go read it and I'll be like, oh, this is a good backstory for sure. For but me, I don't want the backstory first. For me, I could give two shits about a backstory before or afterwards. All I my brain lets me care about. And this isn't by choice. Yeah. I wish that I could care a little more about mm. that kind of stuff. Truly, my brain just goes, one, is it a good recipe? Yeah. Does the order of operations make sense to produce the outcome? Mm, yeah. And was it worth my time? Like, if I if I make the dish following their instructions and it's shit, yeah. and I'm, I'm a pretty good cook i know myself recipes some recipes are just not good yeah and so if i know that then one i just never going to make that recipe again and i really don't care about the story but if it works then i go oh someone's grandma in world war one made a cool thing i don't give a fuck about the grandma thanks for the pie yeah but hold on though okay so let's say you enjoy this pie and let's say it is a it is a uh apple cobbler yeah i don't that's gross but sure (laughs) so let's say you make this pie and it's decent okay now let's say if you read the story you would find that she came up with this uh, pie recipe and she lived um let's say the east coast in the middle of summer so it's a little more humid out so like okay and then you'd probably surmise that maybe she was sweating okay so then maybe her timelines to everything from the atmosphere had some sort of impact 
on that being made. Now, she didn't write it was 98% humidity and 100 degrees right. on the recipe. Yeah. But if you were able to extract that information from the story, you might think, oh, well, shit. It's 30 degrees here, and mm. it's only artificial heat that's creating the environment. So maybe the extra moisture in the air added something to that pie that was the missing part. Yeah, I... I See? To me, all that sounds like is, hey, we we feed our dog the best diet in perfect temperature and humidity conditions. Its shit is delicious. You should eat its shit because it's fed the best of any other dog, period. <laughs> now, they could not tell you the what they feed their dog. They could just say it's the best food, and you taste their shit, and it tastes like shit. And then they go, no, 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 no. But the food is Wagyu beef. It doesn't matter what it. It doesn't matter the extra detail to me that well, hold on, makes though. the shit still shit. First off, if you're feeding your dog expensive <laughs> Japanese beef, you're an idiot. Number two, but it's the best. It is, um, but the dog doesn't care because the dog eats its own shit, so it doesn't give a shit what type of beef it has. I bet. But I, I think you're missing the point, though. Okay, it's not necessarily the romanticized details that make it better, or oh, are you able to sell okay, it. Okay. I'm talking like literal environmental factors that maybe you could extract mm. from the story. That's like, mm. oh, because maybe like you like making scones, and scones traditionally like are a little hard and not that good. But there's one place in Portland that um, uh, Southwest called Seasons and Regions. They have the best scones on the face of the planet because they're just soft enough that they're palatable and they have good little whatever, right? So what's the difference though? What if they were given the same recipe? What if the difference is the person that made it has a backstory and knows the type of environment or, you know, or maybe, maybe the person cooking it has, um, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they have Tourette's, right? So they're, <laughs> Their timeline is different because, you know, they're having maybe different episodes throughout yeah. it. So when they're like, oh, it takes five minutes to do this, 10 minutes to do this, maybe it's actually 11. Or maybe you're not accounting for the little variables okay. in there. So over the length of 50 minutes worth of cooking time, it's actually 53. But they're not going to write down, I have Tourette. So this takes 11 uh, minutes instead of 10. No, but you but, but when you're reading that in, in the in the middle of – Gently whisk egg whites and flour and then go into combined, you have fuck shit. Yeah. And it's not gently anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. When that's written down, they don't have to say they have Tourette's. You just read the fuck shit put in the middle of their whisking recipe part yeah. of the instructions. So sometimes and you surmise the that. story might matter. So the next uh, time, the next time you enjoy something, so if there is a story, just try it once, reading the story and being like, ah, okay, I get it. So I guess. All right. No, I get it. I, I get where you're going with the backstory there. Um, the way my brain wants to tell me is if that was at all relevant information for the outcome of the pie, it should have been in the instructions, not the story. Well, sure. But you can have... I also then could take the same thing and read about the 1930s uh, east side, upper east side, humid, 98% humidity, sweating in her pie lady, <laughs> um, and also... Take the same story and go, oh, it's 1931. No wonder they thought this was good. They literally boiled shoes. Yeah. So, of course, those savages in the 30s with their defunct taste buds, <laughs> <laughs> who are the product of, of uh, you know, gassing 
a, a large proportion of the young men that came back from World War One. Mm, yeah. Uh, of course, they thought this shit pie. Yeah. was delicious with grandma's sweat. Yeah. I mean, I don't like pie, so it doesn't matter. I, I'm never going to eat a pie. Um, uh, <laughs> actually, I don't mind pumpkin pie, but I, I don't like stuff with fruit in it. That bothers me. So really? pies, cherry pies, apple pies, it's all disgusting. Why? The, the texture bothers me. Uh, so do you think it's like, now I will give you peach anything. It ruin, Peaches get ruined when they cook them. I am fine with like an apple pie yeah. as long as the pie, the apple isn't complete mush in there. I actually want it to be a little, I guess, al dente. I'd rather just eat an apple then and then have a treat afterwards. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't like combining like fruit, fruit and stuff. Fruit and yogurt's also disgusting. I don't understand why. It's just like, I don't want little chunks of stuff in my, in my yogurt. What about taking a slice of apple and dipping it in yogurt for that way? Oh. Just like apple, like apples and peanut butter. I mean, yeah, so that that'll work. Okay, apples and caramel. But th- but those are two separate products that you're just using at the same time. An apple pie is a singular product that Correct. has been this weird yeah, mixture yeah, of okay, I disgustingness. Get I get you. You you did say you're a picky eater. That's oh yeah, it sucks. I wish uh, I wasn't. Um, isn't it funny how our brains? You can notice when you pay enough attention to yourself how you have tendencies towards something that you can actively wish were different, and your brain's just like, nah, fuck you, man. Yep. All the time. Uh, do, all are the time. are you are you very? Do you find yourself uh, with the food pickiness? Do you think that does it sometimes limit you? Do you think it limits you from experience? Oh yeah, all the time. Because I'll like, well, not currently, but I'll go out to eat with a friend, or you know, if my roommate uh, Joe makes something, or I go to someone's house and they're making something, like, oh, you want to, you know, where we're we gonna make this? And I'm like, I don't like any of that. So my experience of this gatherment is going to be different because everyone enjoys this shit. Mm. Where, like the other day, I, I had tacos with somebody, and they um, they had cilantro available, and cilantro's gross. <laughs> but if I enjoyed it, I probably would have enjoyed. It in the way that they are, and it might have been a better experience. What, okay, so when you say so, this is this is fascinating to me. When you say cilantro's gross, I've never eaten soap, so I don't know if it tastes like soap. Well, no, no. I was going to say what? Where did cilantro is gross come from? Did you eat it one time and hate it? Did you just have it in your head that you wouldn't like it before you tried it? Like, where mm. does the the rejection to something come from? So, oddly enough, for me, it was discovering why I did and did not like certain tacos, and I realized the only common, one of the very few commonalities. In the mm. tacos I didn't like is like typical street tacos have cilantro in it. Yes, they do. And I'm like, why don't I like this? It has everything I like. And then I realized this little green fucks in there are disgusting. Ah. So, you know, it was probably a realization I came to later in life. Sure. Okay. But but you you specifically, when, when you deem a food disgusting, it is because of experience with that food, right? You will yeah. have tried it. You're not someone who will cast it out because of the thought of it. No, there's probably, I, I'm sure there's probably a few that I won't even try before. And maybe it's mm. because. Maybe it's related to something yeah, else. Yeah, it's either that, related to something I don't like or like I don't like mint that much. Mint? Mint. 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 I don't <laughs> so like how you mint. said I don't like men. Yeah. I don't like mint that <laughs> yeah. much. Um, so like I know I'm not going to like a chocolate mint cookie. Oh, for example, like peppermint patties are probably gross. Yeah, too, huh? gross. Or 
I don't, I'm not a huge fan of coconut. So if something has mm. coconut in it, I'm pro- I generally don't try it because I'm like, well, I, I dislike coconut or whatever else enough that I'm not going to like that. So sure. instances like that, I probably just won't even bother because I just. That's fascinating. You know, it's not my thing. Yeah. Um, I don't like whiskey. So if someone's like, oh, you want to try a whatever, a whiskey sour or something that maybe has whiskey in it, I guess. I just won't try it because I don't like whiskey. So why? Like if that's the prominent ingredient. So in those examples, generally, I just won't even bother because then I'm wasting food. Yeah, or yeah, a drink. yeah. That that that's no that, that makes plenty of sense. Yeah, I I uh, it, it's another one of those things where I it's to me it it seems wholly irrational uh, to discount all c- flavor combinations because of one. Like it's the sum of the parts is equal to the sum of the. The, the, the each part is equal to the sum of the parts, whatever that sum of the whole. Yeah, that yeah that thing. Sum of the whole is the equal to the parts. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know what I, you're saying. Yeah, um, I I don't have any. Okay, well, the only thing I could think that I don't like, um, is sour cream. Oh, I can't stand it. But only if it's by itself. As soon as it's if if I knew that, like, say I'm eating enchiladas. I love yeah. enchiladas. Yeah. There was enchil- there was sour cream in the sauce yeah. or in that, but it's all wrapped up in there. It's yeah, already been put in the know oven. About it, well, I won't. I will still eat the enchilada yeah. because it's not a glob of white sour cream on top of the food. It's in the sauce. It's indistinguishable yeah. from the whole. Yeah. So for me, then I'll just put more hot sauce on it, and then I'm liking it. Like, but if I just look at food and there's a glob of sour cream just plopped on top, I will go no yeah i know i'm 100 the same sour cream and olives are two of the like the top of my list of things what about cottage cheese so i used to eat it as a kid and i don't necessarily have a problem with it but i can't really do dairy that well anymore so it's kind of Uh, just one of those i don't eat it just because i don't want to spend the rest of the day yeah you know (laughs) not available cottage cheesing the rest of the yeah exactly um yeah no it's yeah i for me, it's it's not even flavor. It's just thought. Like, I can't get my brain over that it's curdled milk. Yeah. Or, or sour cream. It's cream that tells you it's sour. Like, that's that, disgusting. When things go sour, unless they're Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, the watermelon flavor oh, is the, the only way to go. The best, man. Yeah. I don't know why, because I really don't like watermelon. But for whatever reason, watermelon Sour Patch Kids are the it's, best. It's the sweet candy. and sour. Yeah. Slap in the face yep. that, oh, it's the best. 100%. Um. Uh, so you you guys are doing music still, yeah. um, uh, Joe and Brian or uh, Bill, sorry, yeah. <laughs> you're Brian, the other one's Bill. So yeah, um, Bill, Joe, myself, and uh, this uh, a girl named Grace that she was a drummer of a band that Divides played with back in the day. Okay, so friends on Facebook. And long story short, I made a post about wanting a singer. She responded, sent us some demos. It was epic. So she'll come down from Seattle and record with us. And we just last weekend finished doing um, the first uh, round of songs. Uh, good, good. Yeah, uh, and like you said, electronica kind of. Yeah, more kind of. I mean, are you playing guitar? Uh, so yeah, basically it's uh, along the same lines as White Knife, but a little less indie and serious, and a little bit more. Excuse me. A little bit more poppy, I guess. Yeah. Because it's seeing all the same kind of core people writing the right, music. Right, of course, of course. Joe, Bill, and myself. Uh, but having 
um, you know, a younger female vocal over it rather than like Sean's vocals. So it mm-hmm. c- completely changes the dynamic. And we've kind of started to, and Joe writes the lyrics rather than Sean writing the lyrics. So, you know, the, the music template is very familiar, but the lyrics and vocals have, we've started to kind of augment things. Um, so it, it's a little more lighthearted. That's awesome. That's awesome. Or lighthearted sounding though. Joe's lyrics are very, uh, serious. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, so uh, are Joe and Bill both playing keys? So we don't really know yet because all we've been doing is writing the stuff. And how, how can I ask how you guys are doing the writing? So like, it's the same as White Knife, um, where basically but in person. So no, not no, not really. So again, Joe and I live together. So usually, what happens is I go to my MacBook, like every asshole these days. And I sit there and strum some chords on a guitar, kind of figure out what I want to happen. And then I transpose that, you know, via MIDI into uh, the DAW. And then Joe, usually I'll say, hey, Joe, listen to this. What do you think? And if he's like, oh, yeah, we should keep working on that. And then him and I will kind of sit there and just be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. What if we did this? And kind of massage it to gets to where Joe's like, okay, I could write some lyrics to that. Then usually what happens is I'll send it to Bill or maybe he'll come over and he'll kind of add his flair because he's very proficient at anything, any musical instrument, guitar, bass, synths. But he's like he is absurdly good at getting like synth sounds and tones and kind of little hooks down. So usually then he'll kind of put his flavor on it. We'll email that up to Grace and after you know a week or so she'll be like hey this is my idea and then cool we'll take that she'll come down record a demo then we'll go to our producer and then do it all but professionally that's awesome that's yeah. awesome where'd you guys go record this time so a guy named ryan furlow yeah um he had been worked with uh he predominantly did like kind of heavier music rise records bands that mm-hmm. kind of stuff um but a number of years ago, he kind of started dabbling in more kind of indie, popish, electronic sounding stuff. And Divides had recorded demos with him back in the day. So I reached out and said, hey, we're kind of doing stuff in this vibe. Send the demos. He's like, yep, I'm on board. So we That's did awesome. our first two songs in November. Um, he had a kid. So took a little bit of a break and then just finished up about three uh, last weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll have the finals here in the next week or so. Like five song EP, something like that? Yeah, we're just going to release singles. We're not, oh, not, gonna not do even an EP. EP no. Just... Uh, why? Yeah, why? Like yeah. Until people actually give a shit about us. Yeah, it doesn't just just know, get out just songs like once a month, release a song or something. And kind Are you of doing videos for them? Um, yeah. So now that we're actually done recording the songs, the next step is, you know, the usual shit, do videos, pictures, blah, 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 because we haven't even made any social media pages. I, we haven't really other than close friends. We haven't. Oh, this is the ground floor. You guys are finding out about something before even Facebook. knows. Yeah, about exactly. It. Before Instagram or Facebook or any of that stuff. So. Um, yeah, the next step is kind of then all the minutiae that comes along with releasing music as a new entity. Does it feel good to, to just know that you're you're kind of having a your voice in in continuation? And yeah, like it, it feel it'll feel good once it's out there. I'm very much a big picture kind of person. Like uh, I don't. It's funny. I don't really enjoy like playing the guitar or writing music in the same way a lot of people do like a lot of people do it because they enjoy doing it i do it because for me when i was 12 13 14 15 16 music had a huge impact on my life like most people 
And I wanted to be able to do that for somebody else. Uh, so for me, I get the enjoyment out of the finished product. Yeah. Like I like playing guitar and in, I love playing live, yeah. but I don't, I've never like, it's why I don't learn covers. I've never just sat down and been like, I like playing this Jimmy Eat World cover. Really? I don't, I don't give two shits. I don't, it, having a guitar was the easiest way for me to figure out how to write songs. Yeah. You know, especially like I wasn't in an environment where I could play drums. Having a piano wasn't an option and it, learning guitar is easy, right? So for me, it's just a means to get to the end product. So once we have the videos, the songs are out and that's happening, then I'll be, I'll be stoked because then maybe in theory, I'll be able to go play music with my best friends, right? Gotcha. But the kind of... The leading up to it, like, again, it's fun and I enjoy the process, but... But only in perspective with the end goal. Yeah, knowing that it'll become this thing. Ah. Yeah. So, wow. So, like, from... That's interesting. So, do you do you think of practicing the same way? Because Okay, or do you practice? I do don't. you focus on that? Uh, much probably to the detriment of my entire musical career. Me practicing is me working on writing songs. Ah. I don't practice scales probably should but i don't i don't sit there and you know for me and divides it was different because that was more technically difficult to play and you know i had a guitar player in the band and drummer but a guitar player in the band that was extremely technically proficient so that forced me to get better and rather than practicing i would just write songs that i couldn't play Mm. and then i would I would work on it until I could play my own riffs or my own chords or my own whatever. Yeah. So my practicing is me just writing songs I can't play yet and getting to where I can play them. What an interesting relationship with the instrument in being not a passion for the instrument, but a passion for the goal. Yeah. And the instrument is just the pathway to the it's goal. It's the conduit for said goal. Wow. That's that's yeah. interesting. What a... yeah. It, what a starkly different paradigm than I view it as. Like for me, it was, you know, being a young kid falling in love with Metallica or something like that. Um, I recognized that it was individuals making this thing and, and they had to like, they had to know their stuff to do that. Right. And so while I was affected by, I, I, I recognized I was affected by, not just the music, but their work yeah. into the music. And so I, and then I recognizing that I'm, you know, not good at bass or not good at guitar. I had to get better at the instrument to make the, the inside head get yeah. better. And I, I felt like it was a, instead of, oh, I hear the song, I need to get good enough to play my song. It was, oh, I need to be good enough to write a song. Yeah. That was the inverse for me. Yeah. I think for me, it's just, I, you know, I've always looked at it like building a house, right? Like I'm good at building a foundation and, you know, Joe and Bill help me build the walls and Grace does the interior decorating and then turns it into a home. Like all parts are necessary, but we each kind of have our own thing. And I don't, I don't give two shits about pouring concrete. I give two shits about standing outside the house and being like cool we made a house yeah yeah okay yeah wow that's interesting something something we i've done because uh, you know jason and i we, we live together and we're doing that stuff for so long um that once he moved we we didn't really stop he lives in colorado now yeah and so um it was weird for us to think and so we're like all right what can we do as like a cohesive thing to kind of 
keep our growth happening, yeah, not become stagnant in a growth way, um, and yet still musically relate to each other. And you know, I was at a point where with Earth Ashes, where you know we're kind of writing new stuff and finishing up. Uh, waiting for stuff back from you know mixing and things like that right now, and I was kind of feeling locked into a, a place where you know I other than back in the day when I was in a bar band when we were still in Alaska, that was yeah. the last time I learned covers. Yeah, you know, and that was simply like you said f- for the goal of getting in a bar in front of people. Yeah, like you just I have to learn these covers. I didn't care about them. I didn't even learn them other than I didn't learn them like they played them. Yeah. I learned them so it could sound like their song on stage. Yeah. And um, that's all that matters. Really. That, that, yeah. At that time that was all that mattered. But now I'm like, man, I, 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 I felt a, a lack of creativity and, and almost spontaneity, adventurousness in yeah. my music writing. And so what we did is we're doing a 52 week challenge for the whole year. We started at the beginning of 2021. We're going to do the whole year. And once a week we're going to, he picks a song. I pick a, or he picks a band, I pick a song from that band. Yeah. And then I pick the band the next week and he picks a song. And it's just a riff a week. Yeah. And so you just pick a band, figure out how they played that riff. Yeah. Learn that riff. And then the next one, you're on to the next one. So we're not learning whole songs, but we're picking songs that are hard. We're picking songs that maybe is out of a genre we're used to. Yeah. Um, and just teaching ourselves new riffs, new ways to think about formulating music and just kind of... I found, you know, we're six weeks into it. Um, we've, you know, we've done everything from Green Day to Metallica to ZZ Top. Yeah. Like, like it's just <laughs> bands are going. Mix. Yeah. They're yeah. going all over the place. And it's, it's been incredible to go, Hey, I just, I just learned this song. I've been playing all my own music. Now I need to think completely differently about a different group of people writing a different song, coming at music from a different way and, you know, really try to, feel the groove of their song yeah. not just learn the parts but almost want to encompass their feeling in yeah it. and it's been pretty pretty growth growth growing growthing yeah i it's been very grow positive yeah yeah I, I uh i i kind of recommend it for people who maybe feel stagnant yeah is is pick a band that you don't know or don't really know pick a song that's probably a b-side yeah and then pick a riff from that song and just try and learn that riff. Yeah, that's actually kind of a cool idea. I like that. And then, you know, you're not you're not devoting a whole song, you're, but you're just you're getting your fingers and your ear to listen to something, re- recreate something in a different way than you would have thought on your own. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. So might be a good exercise. It might be. Yeah. Speaking of good exercise. Hey. Welcome back to Falco's 90-Minute Meditation Hour. I'm your astrally projected inner truth self and part-time grandfather clockmaker, Falco. All right, my astral friends, start by closing your eyes. Sit on your root chakras and let's meditate. Today, we are going to be talking all about time and how it's amazing that something that isn't a thing is so important when you don't have it and ridiculous when you do. Whoa. Okay, I want everyone to pay close attention to how time is for you right now. Is it slow or fast? For me, time is like a string 
going but not a string at the same time. And we are all a part of the non-stream, riding a wave, going forwards and backwards, forever, in no time at all. In fact, you can't even talk about it without it, whatever it is. Whoa. Wait, what was I talking about? Damn, every time. All right, friends. Whoa, that hour went by so fast. Oh, I hope I see you next time. Hare Krishna. That was a, another 90-minute meditation from our friend Falco. Oh, nice guy. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. He's 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 a bit of a a, a transient, if if uh, I could be so nice. He lives in around the Venice Beach boardwalk area in California. Uh, sometimes under the boardwalk, sometimes on it, um, sometimes you know a little ways away from Venice. But uh, <laughs> but he he really just likes to to be free. Uh, you know, he's he's one of the people that you probably would wonder who he is and what he's doing uh, with his hair looking like that uh, in a three-piece suit and Crocs. Yeah, and going through your garbage. Yeah, yeah, you would, but he is reliable. Uh, He requires zero money at all. Mm. Um, All he wanted was a burner phone so he could send me meditation clips. Mm. Uh, Great, great, great guy. Crazy guy. Yeah, name is Falco. Mm. Um, All right. Let's let's take a turn. Okay. Uh, you've you've discovered another avenue <laughs> of uh, of life. Yes, within this pandemic, uh, the the TikTok world mm, yeah. has kind of taken everybody by a, a half hearted storm. Like it's yeah. not it's not like it's this. It is just amazing how culture has shifted so fast to it being relevant for conversation. How did you find yourself st- stumbling into it? I think like most people, because I mean, TikTok's been around for five years now. I didn't know that. Yeah, 2016. Um, I I think like last March, like a lot of people like, oh, I'm going to be stuck inside. Uh, and one of my friends uh, shared a video or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And then people kept sending me little funny things and they kept being on the same platform and I was like I guess I'll just download it right and then I got on there and started doing the usual like scrolling through and dance videos and all this stuff and some stuff like because really TikTok is just YouTube uh, for people with no attention span yeah and it takes out any um, any any reliance on yourself to search anything like it, the algorithm just slowly figures out what you like and don't like. So anyway, so kind of scrolling through and like, I have a fascination with anybody that can do something I can't. So even if it's stupid dances, if people are good at it, I'm fascinated by it. Cause like, mm. Oh, that's something I can't do. Or if somebody's funny, I'm like, Oh, you know, or if somebody, you know, cause a lot of people I think have this idea that it's like, Oh, this is just an app for kids doing dance videos. And no, there's literally Guilty. everything, you know, whether it's political stuff, music stuff, comedy stuff, um, kink. science, I've, kink, kink I mean, talk, yeah, any 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 facet of life that you're interested in, there's that version of it, right? So, 
once I started kind of getting into that, it was just a good way to pass time. And I had a few people say like, oh, you should make videos. I'm like, I'm not going to make videos, like whatever. <laughs> and then just one day I saw something that I thought was funny. And I don't necessarily think I'm a funny person, but I think situationally I have done funny things. And people that think I'm funny, I think would maybe say the same thing. Like <laughs> I, 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 I could never just come up with a joke. And have it be funny. I disagree. You've come up with many <laughs> jokes so far in this, but where I find you incredibly funny is the f- the funniest parts of your jokes are not the punchline. Yeah. It, it is your interaction <laughs> with the premise. Yeah, that makes it funny. And maybe that's and maybe that's what I'm getting at. It, it again, it's more it, it's more situational. But so, anyways, okay, yeah. the point is like, I saw something I thought was funny, and it was the I think it was the first, not the first technically the first video I ever posted. I posted one about scenery at one point, like Portland scenery, but whatever. Somebody was eating a banana, which a lot of people think traditionally was incorrect, but it's actually how uh, primates eat bananas. Yeah. And I had dated somebody for, you know, a better part of a decade that was, um, that uh, was, uh, her specialty was. Uh, She's a primatologist? Uh, no. So she, uh, long story short, went from, so she has a, her degree in neuroscience. And she worked at a research lab and then decided that she wanted, didn't like that aspect of it and wanted to get into the husbandry, the caretaking. And then mm-hmm. went from that to then she moved uh, halfway around the world, literally to work at um, a, a sanctuary. So she went full, kind of full circle. But because of that, it inadvertently allowed, like I just got inundated with information about primates. Um, I got a chance to volunteer at and visit different sanctuaries and all kinds of cool stuff. And it's super fascinating to me. Is that also where your, your love of ornithology came in? At the um, same time? I don't know what ornithology is, so I couldn't tell you. Bird, bird watching? Oh, yeah. Um, no, that's completely <laughs> unrelated. That okay. has more to do with living in Alaska. That's a, that's for another, another day. Um, so anyways, so I saw this video and somebody was eating it and they were, they made the video because they knew they would get a reaction. People were like, that's not how you eat a banana, banana. And I was like, well, no, that is actually how you're supposed to eat it. That's how primates eat it. So I just reacted to it and, you know, it got a few views or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw something else I thought was funny and I was like, oh, well, I have a, I have a reaction to that. And then I kind of kept doing it. And like a few of my videos got, I guess you could say traction, you know, nothing crazy, but enough to where I was like, oh, it seems like there's some people that like this stuff. And then I started doing like beard commentary, which got huge, not huge, but started kind of taking off. And then I did this one, which is, I guess, my most liked video, uh, which is uh, basically the stupid voice I do that's kind of like a mixture of old Greg and <laughs> like uh, kind of like a neurotic, uh, I don't know, just a neurotic individual. Um, and that is my most commented and liked video yeah. to date. And, I, and that's a voice I've done just throughout my life making fun of stuff and uh, like Joe and I have talked about like um, writing a um, like a TV show and we have different voices and characters so I kind of just started doing that and Mm -hmm. again a few a a few videos you know got a decent amount of views so I was like oh I'm having fun with this and it seems like other people like it so if I see something that I just have like a I immediately visceral like, reaction like to. I have a reaction to I'm like oh well I'll see if I can make something to it. How so how how you know 
because the ones that at least you share, I don't have TikTok, so yeah. I, I can't follow you on there. But mm. the ones that you that you share to, you know, your stories or anything like that, uh, I I find quite humorous. And I'm I wonder how you you find a some a, a talk, and yeah. it's not necessarily even a joke talk on their end. It's yeah. just about your reaction to the thing, right? Yeah. So when you see it, what are you looking for in like? Do you instantly get the joke in your head of what would make that thing the avenue you're wanting the reaction to be? Or like, how do you go on working the bit out? How, is, is it single take? Do you, you know, do, do you think of it? Oh, there it is. And just do it. Or does it take a few? So a little bit of both. I've, I've come to realize that the ones that. I guess did the best are the ones where I didn't really think about it. I saw it and immediately was like, Oh, that would be funny if, ah, and yeah. then there you go. Um, I, I, I honestly, I don't even really have a thought process cause I don't, you know, there was a time where I was like, all right, I, I'm going to dedicate an hour to scrolling through and seeing if I find something I think I can mm. be funny to, mm. but that usually comes across as kind of contrived and just whatever. And I've deleted a lot of videos where I'm like, ah, no, it, I was just trying too hard. So now I, now when I do it, if I'm just scrolling along and I don't even, I don't even watch like, you know, I don't watch it for the specific purpose of finding something to react to. But if I see something where I immediately like, oh, it'd be funny if, then I'll save it and then work on it later. And some videos, like literally it would take me like 30 minutes and like 15 takes to get right. And some do it in one or two gotcha. and not a big deal. And like two of my bigger videos, like one of them. Uh, I don't, I think I just did one take and that was it. And that was my most viewed video Yeah. Um, so far. And I don't even think it's particularly funny. It's just commentary on an attractive individual. Um, but that's it's funny. Yeah. It, it's funny because me as a, a man commenting on another man in a way that like people expect dudes to like comment on a woman, for example. Correct. Right? So me having that reaction, but you know, uh, towards another guy, I think obvious for obvious reasons in societal context, I guess it's kind of funny, but I, I, you know, I saw it and I was just like, Oh, well, I don't know. I think it'd be funny if I said this and then I put it on there and it, it other, was other people thought it was right. So yeah. it, it's not anything I take seriously or put too much thought into, but I do have fun doing it. So on the back of my head, I'm, if something you know, comes through that I right. immediately have like, oh, if I did this, then I'll generally save it. Like I have 40 drafts just sitting in my account right now and I've texted myself a whole bunch and later, and if I go back to it later and don't really feel it, then I'll delete yeah, it. But yeah. if I go back to it later and still have that same feeling, then I'll, you know, then I'll do it. That's that's funny. Um, Have you always been a big comedy fan? Have you always liked, I mean, like, like, yeah, have you been a big? Always? I mean, I love I love watching stand up. Um, oh, okay, that's I was, was going to ask yeah. if you're a stand up fan. Yeah. I mean, and especially like I don't I don't like your everyday like I don't like going to like bars and watching amateur stand ups like that kind of stuff like it just it's cringy and it is I like very polished and very like polarizing comedians like like a Bill Burr. Actually, I can't stand Bill Burr. He bothers, oh, really? He bothers the fuck out of me. It, but it, it's only because – so, okay, so let me back. So, yeah, for yeah, example, yeah, yeah, like yeah. my favorites – I mean, obviously, you have Dave Chappelle. It's hard yep. to argue against that. Yep. Uh, like Ricky Gervais. I love Ricky Gervais. One yeah. of my all-time favorites. Um, you know, pre-issues, I loved Louis C.K., um, you know, Aziz Ansari. Uh, people that have very polarizing – 
views or stances or Jim Jeffries. Like, Jim Jeffries. One of my favorite of all time. Yeah. I will say half the reason he's funny is because of his accent, but I don't care. I still love it. Um, so people like that that are very like have views that can sometimes be, yeah. you know, be looked at as very polarizing. Oh, yeah. Um, but just like people that go up and do like little one liner jokes. Yeah. I, I hate I hate joke punchline, joke punchline yeah. style. Comedy. Like, I like a whole thing that leads up to a, and you're like, oh. Oh, I didn't even see that coming. Like, yep. all right, cool. Or, yep. or observational humor. Um, again, like Dave Chappelle's done that. It's funny, but it can't be not Seinfeld style observation. Yeah, humor. stuff that where when you get to the end, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking he was going to do this, but he was Same. looking at this whole subtext and yep. Yep. you know so on. Tom Segura is another one that is I'm a huge fan of who does that style of humor. He really throws you through. Yeah, his and, his delivery. I've never. I just can't get into it. It's flat. It's flat. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think a lot of his stuff is good. Um, you know, uh, Elijah Schlesinger's Elijah last, Schlesinger. the elder. Yeah. yeah. Eliza Schlesinger, her last, the elder millennial, I thought yeah. was on point. Um, uh, Nikki Glaser is funny. She, she some of her good. stuff is good. Um, have you, have you seen uh, Annie Lederman? She's a real young so. comic. Oh, she's mm. good, man. She's she is that she's very uh very uh I would I would say a lot like a I don't want to compare it to like a Jim Jeffries or a Louis C.K., but she is polarizing. Yeah. She's polarizing. And she's a she's a young, attractive woman, and yeah. she uses that yeah. as part of the the atrocity of her stand-up. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that, I think, when people are kind of aware of their place in the world and use that as, yep. you know, as, as part of it. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that. I, and But there's a lot of comedians I just don't think are funny. Like, I don't think Whitney Cummings is funny. I don't think Sarah Silverman's that funny. Um, but yep. I like uh, – a lot of people don't like her because of her voice. But Michelle uh, Wolf, I oh, think she's Michelle Wolf is a great oh, yeah. joke writer. Exactly. So, you know – I. I've always been I've always been a fan of stand up for as long as you know I can remember. What's um, what's your issue with Burr? I got to know. I just I just don't like it. To me he comes off as a know-it-all, <laughs> but he's not smart enough to be a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. And again, I could be wrong, but his delivery he just comes off as very arrogant, but yeah. like for example, like I think Dave Chappelle comes off as arrogant, but I think he's smart enough to back it up kind of thing and right. when he, like any joke delivery he does, you think about it, you're like, nah, but you're right. Where with Bill Burr, I just like, I mean, I think you're accidentally right. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's yeah, just I'm, how I feel. I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Burr actually. Yeah. I, I, but I, where I find all of my humor, where I get all my humor from him is not his stand up. Yeah. It's his podcast. And he, so he does, he has his own podcast, Monday morning podcast, and yeah. it's just him ranting about, football or you know teaching his daughter to ride a bicycle at five years old and like his free flowing off the top when he's not polished when he hasn't overly constructed a bit worrying about the language but yet trying to keep this this very you know like polarizing point going and thread throughout the thing yeah when he's just rambling i think that's when he's his funniest when you watch him doing crowd work yeah is when he's his funniest it's and you know maybe that's something I'll and it's it's the same well, it, it's the same thing with um um oh my god why can't I think of it um um uh um oh Iglesias um 
Oh, Julio or um, no, yeah. Um, God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Fluffy. Yeah, isn't that Julio? I don't isn't that Julio Iglesias. I don't think it's Julio. I think it's is is it? I dude, I can't. I can't fucking remember his name. Yeah, no, I feel so bad right now. Uh, I think it is Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, Gabriel. Gotcha. Okay. There yeah. You go. He is one of the funniest dudes. Like his, when he is probably my favorite guest on any podcast ever. Because I'm a huge podcast listener. I listen to all the comedians' podcasts because I'm trying to find funniness. And he is so quick and so good at joke telling. Theo Vaughn is another one. Incredibly quick minded, quick witted, and has their own style and approach to comedy that I think. Well, I haven't seen them live, but I think falls short as soon as it's a bit yeah. and they're on stage doing an hour. Yeah. It falls. Sh- the the, the quick wittedness that the re- your it, in innate reaction to a TikTok video that lets you go, ooh, that's the reason that's funny. Yeah. Is the reason they're funny, too. And I think that when you've done that set a hundred times in clubs and then yeah. you go to theaters and you do it another hundred times preparing for your hour. Yeah. The polishing, you you might lose the the spontaneity of it. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of these people fall short. Um, um, who's the other? Um, uh, um, Norm Macdonald is yeah. another one that when you watch Norm, his his just quick wittedness. Yeah, is the funniness of him. It's not the jokes he tells. Yeah, it's, it's just his his mannerisms yeah. and his like the lead everything that built that makes it. Yeah. A joke. Yeah. 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 That's funny. So, you know, I've always been a fan of that, but I've never uh, myself thought like that's something I would like to do. You know, again, this is more of just like a pastime that turned into something I enjoyed doing as just like a, a little thing to do on the side. Just yeah. Well, do you because. think it also, you know, for, for me, I've always wondered like, you know, I, I love sitting here and creating bits and yeah. writing and, and doing stuff that is only me with myself in a room, right? Kind of like it's you, you're in your car, you're in your thing, you're creating, making this video. And until other people are watching it, it's just you creating this thing. Yeah. And for me, it's like, then once I put out a bit, you know, I played a thing for it. I was just right here. People are going to go hear that. I don't know if they're going to laugh at it or not. Yeah. Or if they're, but I don't have to bomb in front of them i don't have it's to it's not in real time yeah like like that is so comforting for me knowing that okay i put a joke out there i think it's funny i still laugh at it yeah and if other people don't well then they didn't get you know they just didn't find that joke funny they just yeah. they aren't coming and telling me your joke sucks yeah like yeah I, you're kind of disconnected enough to where it's not as harrowing yeah. of an endeavor i've always wondered if i could go do stand-up but then i it's the part of getting in my head of going, I don't want to, I don't know if jokes mean to keep being funny when you are trying to make them funny. Yeah. And I get that's what stand up is. And that's what they're doing is they're taking something that's truly funny, continuing to make it funny so that the new person who's never heard it is surprised by it. Yeah. None of those jokes are funny really the second time yeah. or the third time you hear it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's that initial reaction. And I think that's what separates the people like the Dave Chappelle's of the world. Yeah. That or the not, Michelle Wolf's. Yeah, yeah. it's more of a story 
that happens to be funny rather than again that's why i don't like the punchline yeah. style jokes where it's joke punchline and joke punchline like you said like i like a story that ends up being like a a, a unique observation that i find funny right right yeah. right um did you watch uh were you, when back in the day were you a saturday night live person or, or or mad tv did you watch any of that so mad tv i never really watched that much saturday night live i did like certain eras of it like the you know will ferrell ferrell yeah. sherry well, Tara, our 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 generation yeah, essentially when, yep. and then joe and i have gotten back into watching it now that it's on hulu um, and there's some stuff I think is hilarious and some stuff I'm yeah. just like, ah, whatever. Do, do you watch any new modern, like current? Oh yeah. Okay. No, okay. All the okay. SNLs that are currently oh, okay, like, okay, good. you know, the last Saturday, yeah, those kind of things. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, um, Pete Davidson's awesome on that show. He's, I don't understand why he is not on there more. Like, I think he is the, but like his stand up was one of my favorite stand ups of the last year. hundred percent. Oh, oh man. It, especially like. I I've loved Pete Davidson since he you know he, I mean he was started at seven he was a Dave Chappelle man I mean he was a seventeen year old kid getting up and people going you you've only been doing this a year yeah like you know he's I mean what he's only like twenty six or twenty seven now yeah right? something like that and I don't even think he's particularly good at stand up but his personality is so naturally like endearing and he just says some fucked up shit but you're <laughs> yeah. like well but you're not wrong either correct so, and that's that's what i like about him well, I, I like him a lot yeah 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 he's he's good okay yeah that's that's fun man um and then uh oh there was something else were you a monty python fan didn't get that that style of humor wasn't never, your thing yeah i don't know to me not that it was too obvious but i was just like eh. yeah 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 well yeah it's it's funny you know, I, I like i like i like the i like having knowing where you know, it's funny. People can all agree someone's funny, but that the next person over, yeah, they don't not. think. It. And, and I think that's kind of what's what's wild about comedy um, in itself is how laughing is so innate to humans. Oh yeah, and human expression and human relation that a group of people have decided to make it their life's work to make people laugh. Yeah. And only do that. And yet, th- not everyone thinks they are funny. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, I guess it's a lot like music. Like, we want to make people love music. We want, we, we love music. We want other people to like music. We want to give to the music that people like, yet, uh, people don't like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the one person will love something I write and the next person won't. And then, you know, and I view comedy in the same way. Yeah. I think, you know, I think comedy sometimes is a little bit more universal because it's not relying on a particular hook. A lot of people have very similar shared experiences. Right. That's why, like, uh, one of my favorite clean comedians is John Mulaney. Oh. I think he's hilarious, but he does it without having a very divisive view on anything. Yeah. He just takes general observations and then kind of, like exacerbates them into being bigger than they are. Brian Regan. But makes it, I don't know if I've ever... Oh, you haven't heard Brian Regan? I don't think so. Oh, man. He's... He, I found him way back in the day. Um, he he had he had the, the, the first joke I heard, which was pretty big, was... Um, uh, oh, um, not to try and butcher his, his bit, but ba- the, the premise was basically uh, uh, when, when, when someone says, like, Oh, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking butcher it. I'm not even gonna try because I w- it will not be as funny. I wish I could explain his bit 
better. But it, it was. It's like one of those noticeable premises that kind of everybody does. And it's about when somebody is like handing you your food or you're getting ready for a cab. Yeah. And they say like, like you get like they say, have a nice trip. And then you say, you too, yeah. but they're not taking a trip. Yeah. And he had this whole working bit about like someone handing you food and like, enjoy your meal. You too. Yeah. And he just had this funny thing, but he's completely clean. He just takes these premises, turns them into big. He talks about boxes and mooses and like pluralizing non-plural things yeah. and just taking those kind of bits. But check out Brian Regan, man. Because if you like Mulaney, uh, Regan is like the... The grandfather to huh, interesting. All right, I might have to. Yeah, I'll have to do that then. But he was, you know, he was a young kid. He was coming up, um, you know, in the '90s New York scenes. Yeah. Like he was, he was a, he was a big guy back in the day. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Drop. I mean, the the name sounds familiar, but I just can't picture him or sure. anything like that. So yeah, yeah. Brian yeah. Regan, pretty funny. Yeah, stand up world uh, is funny, and then and then you know pairs along a lot with the, the music world. I mean, I think uh, you know the, the kind of um, isolatedness yeah. of it. And it's all very subjective too. So it's, you know, that hit or miss nature of your art, right? Yeah. So it kind of, it, I could see the same style of, or same vulnerable feeling for musicians and stand-up comedians. So do you have a, do you have a plan about um, doing like, like with, with, with the TikTok or whatever it is, um, like, doing your own non-reaction bits? Do you do you have bits rolling around in your head that you just want to make the video that is out that is the, the first instance that other people react to? Or Yeah, I've done a few of those. Uh, one of the last ones I posted um, was... Um, you know, was just me doing what was not a reaction. Um, and, and it's funny, the people that follow me, those tend to get a lot of reaction from people that follow me already. Mm. And they think it's funny, but I don't get a lot of new faces. And the reaction stuff, I get a lot more new faces and less people that already follow me. Um, but I think I just don't, like for me, I just, I, I I write down a few ideas, um, but I don't really ever just have something in my head where I'm like, oh, this would be funny. I need to make a video. Like, it happens. Gotcha. But usually, again, for me, it's reactionary. Like, I'll see something, and then I'll think of something. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was wondering, because, you know, we, we have, you know, I, I'll, I'll sit there at work and be thinking of just a funny word and go, oh, my gosh, that is an entire bit around yeah. a word. Yeah. Like, you have to... You know, how can I play this out? Okay, three or four different angles. Where's where's the part where they didn't see that coming in the tie back or the call? You know, yeah. I and and those happen. Um, and then it seems like when I really think about it like that, it always falls flat as soon as I'm putting it out onto something. Yeah. And and I don't know. I it it almost feels like well maybe you just have to push through that flatness instead of discarding it. Cause yeah. if it was originally funny, there's still funny in there. Yeah. And I just don't know how many times you have to poke at it or, or move it around for that to still maintain well, and delivery, uh, delivery and context is everything. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the other, like the little intangible, the, the feels, if you will, same thing with music, you know, two people can play the same riff, but if one person just has a better feel about them or a little bit, different way to play the same three notes or whatever it is it'll sound better and i think it's the same way with comedy like two people could say the same joke but if they don't have the right inflection they don't have the mannerisms they don't have the certain kind of personality mm. to fit it 
then it'll fall flat. So I think it's figuring out how you, what your delivery is. Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I guess there is. You do have to pay attention to that because I think there are jokes out there that are funny regardless of who tells them. Yeah. But then you have jokes that if it to me it, it almost goes well if you're only laughing because Dave Chappelle's telling it. Yeah. Verse and if the same joke was told by a not Dave Chappelle yeah. and it wasn't funny. Is the joke funny or is Dave Chappelle funny? And I think, and then that's the next like echelon. Like if a comedian themselves is just funny, like you can literally anything they say you enjoy, then it's it's the personality that's right. funny. It's, and he takes things that maybe aren't funny and because of his delivery, his yeah. personality, it makes you enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Right. There's this There's this guy, uh, you know, being, being a, a mechanic uh, gearhead. Uh, type guy. I've just discovered this guy on uh, on YouTube. Uh, his channel is called Vice Grip Garage. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name's Derek. So. Derek something. He's he's on the the, the social meds. Um, but he's this Midwestern guy. He's from Minnesota. Um, you know, he's you could tell by the by the way he talks. He's uh, he's been a mechanic for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, he's probably in his mid forties or something like that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how old he is. Um, but he, he is kind of the non confrontational style of comedy where all he's doing is he's talking about getting a car running again yeah. or, or doing something like that and just changing his language enough and where he'll say a funny word. And then he will let it breathe and yeah. he won't add any weight behind it. He will yeah. just say a phrase and then break that wall, look into the camera yeah. and just let you know that, did you get it? Yeah. Did you get that word right there? Yeah. <laughs> the room is still there. All right. Now we're going to talk about the next thing and just leave that airiness. And he is quickly just, his content, he's just so innately funny. He's one of those people that... You 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 can tell probably every one of he's the guy that doesn't think he's funny. Yeah. But every single person around him goes, "You're the funniest person I know." Yeah. And you know he he just it, it's good, man. I, I recommend all people who are who like cars, who like working on things, who are mechanically inclined, who've ever touched a carburetor before, who who've ever any person like that, go check out Vice Grip Garage. Vice on, Grip Garage, all right. On YouTube, VGG, Vice Grip Garage. Just pick any video yeah. and just, this guy is Midwestern beer drinking gold, man. Yeah. He is just that kind of, uh, I've, and if you're listening out there, guy, you should come on my podcast. <laughs> uh, come join us. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd be fun, man. No, it's 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 good. I, I love it. I've all, I love getting... Uh, turned on oh there's another guy um have you ever heard of um oh my gosh i can't man this is the problem is <laughs> brains you you learn so many people and well, especially these days i know and um he he's a uh, he's been kind of on the uh that's rick glassman have you ever heard of Rick Glassman? Mm, I don't think so oh man so he has a podcast on youtube called take your shoes off and he, you know, comedy podcast, but he takes the bits and the bit writing to the next level where as the podcast is going, somebody will say something, he'll think of a bit. And instead of running the bit right then, yeah, he will cut the whole podcast 
they'll put on like costumes or change seats or do something like that restart the podcast back up like nothing happened but everything has changed and they'll just continue into this bit and just keep going like that and then he has editors afterwards that'll graphically edit in like gnomes flying around in airplanes and like piles of shit in places you know and like 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 he just he goes the next level and does all of the editing to make these just you could tell he's sitting there you'll you'll say something i'll a bit will happen and then he'll just look at the camera and snap his fingers and yeah. then snap back and everything yeah. has changed and just huh interesting it, it it is it's it is a good medium for a podcast a comedy show um and like artistic representation so yeah. t- take your shoes off podcast take with, your shoes off. All right. with rick glassman he's he's hilarious and what's amazing is is he's he's recent i, I followed him for like a year probably um and he's discovered recently, well, it was in the last couple of years, and he talks about it, um, that he has autism. Yeah. And he didn't know he had autism. Yeah. For like all of his life, he just knew that he had trouble reading people. Yeah. And knowing when too far was too far. Yeah. And like, he also knew that he just wanted to be really good at everything. Yeah. And so he just, you know, kind of stumbled through the world. And, and he talks about that. But now he he really plays up on that, that style card. Like, yeah. Like not not that he's not that he's uh, demeaning anybody by any means. He just is now using the fact that he thinks differently and is different to accentuate his comedy in places. Like instead of shying away from the awkwardness or yeah. not being able to read someone's face, you know, yeah, and tell if like he'll just keep pushing a bit until someone literally goes, "Okay, Rick, it's okay, Rick, stop." And, yeah. Oh wait. Oh, this isn't funny. I th- I couldn't tell because you were smiling the whole time. Yeah. It, it's good, man. Huh. Interesting. It's 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 a really really good, but it's it's the broadness of of what comedy is, and a lot like the, what the broadness of music is. You know, you alluded to it earlier. There's uh, you yourself can sit there and like a, a broad range of comedy, like a broad range of music, but yet things will just. It's cilantro. Yeah. Yeah. Some things are just, nope, not for me. It's cilantro. Yeah. Um, interesting. Interesting. So when, uh, do you guys have a plan for when Glass, uh, what was it? Glass Cameo. Glass Cameo uh, is going to be, anything coming out? You guys have a plan on that yet? No. I mean, we're kind of, <clears throat> I think like a lot of people that until we kind of have a better idea of maybe when the world will open up, so to speak. <laughs> You know, we're going to try and get everything done, so we'll have it ready, but six months, a year? Oh, for us, even a single just to be put out digitally for people yeah, to hear? Yeah, or at least kind of gauge, you know, if we're like, okay, it looks like feasibly in six months, let's say, for example, that music might be a thing in a live context. Yeah. Cool. We have five songs, so we'll start releasing them, you know, a couple months leading up to that. But yeah. if it's going to be, let's say, where's case in a, Excuse me. Worst case scenario, you know, another year or something, then we'll probably wait a little while just because we don't want to release a bunch of stuff and then be like, cool, <laughs> yeah, remember us in a year. And right. we're still, you know, we have a backlog of about, you know, eight or nine demos and we're going to oh, keep working on stuff good. and doing that. But it's expensive. And again, with all the uh, having to do the videos and all that kind of stuff, we would just want to have a solid body of work. And then we'll kind of once that's all done, we'll probably sit down and be like, okay. This is our release plan. What are we thinking? Do we want to do it sooner yeah. than later? Do we want to wait a little bit until you know it gets closer to maybe when we could actually play it live? Sure. So long story short, no real answer to that. Um, hopefully something gets released this year, but yeah, no idea yet. 
Cool. Yeah. Um, what, and then you, you had said earlier, um, in, in the pandy and everything like that, um, you've, you guys have done more, uh, playing new board games. Any, any good new board games you guys have played, you found, you discovered that maybe, for me, no. I I'm a creature of habit and I like to just do the, a lot of the same things over and over. So I just like playing Stratego, honestly. Ah, it's one of my favorites. Stratego's uh, fun. Yeah, Joe introduced me to that. Um, and then actually a, a video or not a video, a game um, a couple years ago that we were turned on to called Pandemic. We started uh, oh. got into that, but that's a little bit more of a long form game. Not like uh, oh, we have a quick thirty minutes yeah. to kill. It's more of like we're making a night out of it. Um. And then uh, we started doing Mario Kart 8 because why not? Yeah, yeah. got to, got yeah. to. There's a there's a, a new version of Uno that because I Uno is always one of those games. I mean, that, yeah, you know. So Uno Flip. I don't know if you've heard of it. That's mm. at like the local Freddy Myers and yeah. places like that. Um, but it's a two sided card now. Huh. And the deck is basically it's a double deck all on one card. So you can be playing, you still have your skips, your reverses, all yeah. that stuff. And then there's a flip card, which is in essence a wild card. Yeah. That the whole deck, your hand flips over to the other color. Yeah. The and the whole deck draw discard pile flips over. And so huh. you can be sitting there down to one card. Someone yeah. says Uno, the next person plays flip, the whole deck gets over, and now they're just drawn cards because the color's different. Yeah. Everything they've been setting up and the way to get out huh. is all different. And it is... I don't know if that would cause me to be angry or... Oh, yes. It is It is incredibly frustrating and yet so refreshing Yeah, to know that somebody could... You could... You just... You're no longer worrying about the next person hopefully having a wild or changing to the color. Yeah. You can just now flip the whole deck over on them. Yeah. And it is the funnest re- re- like reinvigoration of Uno. Yeah. That it is, it's quickly become a household favorite. Huh, interesting. I might uh, have to look into that. Of that ours. Um, so, so just, just as one of those, we have 30 minutes. Let's play a yeah. couple of quick rounds of, you know, do pass some time. Um, that's one of those that we've, we've gotten big into. Um, and then, have you ever heard of the game Blockus? Mm-mm. So Blockus is this really cool game because I'm really big into strategy games as well. Yeah. Um, Risk, Stratego, all you know yeah. are, are really my jams. Backgammon. Um, Never played backgammon. If you like strategy and planning moves and coming up with a a pattern and an attack, yeah. If you like that kind of gameplay you would love backgammon huh um, okay but 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 blockus is the same way where you're given a, a a grid a square grid and it's broken up into 20 by 20 squares or something yeah. like that and then you're given a color and each color has tetris-esque pieces yeah but some are one square some are two squares some are three squares and once they're three squares you know, you only have two or three different orientations of, you could have a straight line of three, a 90 of three, and I think those are the only two. Yeah. And then four squares, well, you could have a square, you could have a straight line, you could have three lines with a dot on top, you could have yeah. that dot in the middle, and so they break them up and then five squares. Huh. And so you have all these pieces of one, two, three, four, and five squares. Yeah. And you have to try, and it may be like a virus-style game, is you have to try and get all your pieces on the board, and 
the other people are trying to get all their pieces on the board too. Yeah. It could be four players, but the pieces can only touch corner to corner. Huh. You can okay. never touch side to side. Yeah. And the only way to extend through another color is to go through a corner. Yeah. So you can start building this cool grid of, you know, taking your colors and spawning out and then filling in areas. And it's just, it's it's an yeah. insane geometric planned battle game. Huh. Of the person with the most color on the board wins yeah. at the end of the thing. And eventually, depending on who how they lay out all their pieces, um, you'll eventually have spaces where if you saved a five until the end, you, there is no five left on the board. Yeah. So you're inevitably left with five or six or nine squares, and that's your score yeah. at the end. And then the zero huh. or the lowest. It's it's a fun one, man. Yeah. I, 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 All right. I'll show it to you when, when we I'm into that. call this up. It's yeah. It's one of those games where... It, it it's it's fun because it's not pictures, it's not action figures, it's not yeah. anything like that. It is just geometric shapes. Yeah. Very Tetris like and you're just kind of planning the move of something two D and ambiguous. Yeah. Like shapes. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right. It's been fun. Um all right. So I have a game called hypotheticals okay and these are 50 questions for insane conversations okay so i want you to pick three cards out of this beautiful now the three cards okay are the stories are the brain pill worldwide perfection or the courier okay which one of these do you want? Uh, the courier. The courier. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's your hypothetical. Okay. You are offered a strange job okay. by a New York-based company. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've already read this one. It, you are offered a strange job by a New York-based company. Okay. Every morning at 6 a.m., a car service will come to your home, drive you to JFK Airport, 40 minutes from your residence. You will take an 8 a.m. business class flight to L.A., arriving at roughly 11.30 a.m., You'll be picked up at the airport, driven to the Burbank office, where you will hand deliver three innocuous but unfaxable documents to the corporation's president. Yeah. You will then be driven straight back to LAX, where you immediately catch a return flight to New York, be back to your apartment in New York by 9 p.m. that night. The next morning, you wake up, fly five and a half hours to LA, then immediately fly five and a half hours back to New York. Okay. Five days a week. You have to wear dress clothes, but your lunch is can be expensed and you would have no other responsibilities while flying. Okay. They would be a a 10% pay increase from what you earn right now. And they would need you for a three-year commitment. Would you do it? Uh, No. No? That's just, that's too much time in a day. I would have very little me time. Five and a half hours on an airplane is you time. Well, yeah, but I couldn't do the things I wanted to. Uh, Wi-Fi is usually pretty shoddy on planes. Uh, very true. Um, I don't like to eat before flying because I hate using um, airplane bathrooms. Um, <laughs> and the monotony of it, like, sure, I'll have a bunch of me time, but I have no freedom. Yeah. Because I have to adhere to that schedule. Or right now at work, I'm like, oh, I have an appointment I have to make or I have to go do something or I'm this, this and that. Nah, I don't think I would do it. Now, if it was, you know, if it was like four tens or something, maybe. But getting up at what eight a.m. was it? Yeah, yeah. It said, uh, yeah, getting up at eight a.m., 
Or you ha- your flight leaves New York at 8 a.m. Oh, yeah. No, thanks. Because then, and I don't get home till 9. Like right now, I get home by 6.30, and I don't have to even get up until 8 if I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would do that for for three years for only a 10% increase. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, but no food. All that's expensed. You're not paying. So you're getting making all that money, but you're not paying any of But it's of airplane the... food. Yeah, I guess. Or airport food. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't like LAX that much. Me neither. Yeah. 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 And f- and really flying from New York to LA JFK, you have to deal with JFK airport and deal with LAX yeah. airport, LA traffic. Yeah. You may miss a flight. Yeah. And I've dealt with JFK a few times recently and yeah, I'm good. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, what else? What else you got? Anything new coming up? Uh, did you want to tell more people more about your balloon building exercises? I know no, you're really good at giraffes. That's more of a that's more of a show and tell. I'm, I want uh. people to search me out and really find it. You know, I feel like if I hand deliver it to them, then it loses its um, appeal. I don't know. Yeah, Luster. exactly. No, nothing else, man. I, I you know I got to tell you, not the the usual cop out, but. You know, with the way the last year's been, I haven't been able to travel as much as I like and do all the other, you know, the things that I like to do, um, which is, you know, traveling and music have been and going to movies has been taken away. What do you what would what do you miss more? The the single trip to the movie theater or the traveling? Mm. I guess actually I should say probably the single trip to the movie theater because I can travel. It's just not as f- fun. Like I, I can technically still get on a plane and go to San Francisco, but yeah. if 90% of everything's closed down and then I feel bad for tra- like stuff like that. So I, I'd say, um, yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I'd, I'd say the single trips to the movie theaters because I haven't done that in a year where I have been on a plane a few times this year um, for various reasons, not necessarily like fun, but right. So yeah, I'd say the, the movie theater thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Other than that, I mean, you know, again, just kind of hanging out, trying to do, put a little more effort or not that I didn't, but put more effort into my job. What? Oh, sorry. I just made me think um, since you haven't, I mean, obviously you said you're the Netflixing and the Amazoning and the Huluing and all that stuff. Have you, have you seen any surprisingly good movies even from home yet that you are like impressed with anything that you've watched recently that you're overwowed by? Uh, movies, no, uh, not really. Shows, yes. Like I just started Ozark. Oh. I lo- it's amazing. <sighs> I'm like halfway through the first season. It's one of my favorite shows since Breaking Bad. Ozark's amazing, man. You know, and did the usual like, uh, you know, went through Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's an amazing show. Um, watched mm-hmm. Dave, which is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> Dude, I love, love that show. Love Dave. Andrew Santino crushes it. In well, the and it's funny because he is funny in that show. His stand up isn't that good. I didn't like his stand up that much. But but if you watch another podcast, I highly recommend is Bad Friends. So I've seen a few uh, Bobby Lee clips. and him. Yeah, because Bo- Bobby Lee is probably in my top five stand-up comics of all time yeah like he bobby lee just as a comedian and a person in general is probably one of my top five funny people yeah. of all time and him and the red rocket together are uh that that show is one of those ones where they go for it yeah it is polarizing they don't shy away from offensiveness yeah but the offensiveness comes at the expense of you, not the people they're making fun of. Yeah. 
like like they get you to go oh yeah and then oh no yeah and it's on you it's yeah. you know and that's the beauty of that that show yeah man. so i'd say so those have been staples atlanta um is a really good show um and then of course you know community yeah, community is yeah, awesome it's yeah good. i finally did that uh, i know there's a few others that i'm thinking of finally finished Game of Thrones. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I need to restart Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Do that again because mm-hmm. um, I haven't made it through the Capaldi season. Yeah, I think that about covers it. And then the various stand-ups here and there. Yeah, yeah. If uh, I, another show I recommend for you, probably really especially um, if you like a Ozark style show, mm-hmm. serious plot twisting, yeah, uh, style show, The Dark. It's on Netflix. The Dark. Okay. Um, and it's a German show. It they they do either German language with English subtitles or a pretty good dubbed English version. Yeah. Um, it doesn't dis- distract too much. I watched it with in German with just English subtitles, so yeah. that so that you could hear the actual inflection of yeah. the Germanness of the show. But it is it is one of the most original kind of inspired sci-fi time travel-y kind of un- unknown shows. It yeah. just, it really, you you don't, un- so they had three seasons of it. They they finished it in three seasons. The yeah. third season was the ending season of it. They had a great story arc, only eight, nine episodes a season, something like that. Yeah. Um, but it is one of these shows where, you're introduced to people, and nothing makes sense f- for two seasons, and then the third season you go, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. and you are riveted into watching every episode. And I had to rewatch a few. Yeah, like I would, I would see something. Oh, that makes sense. I'd have to go back and rewatch an older episode to yeah. to get the clues there, and like, and it's done. The show does not feel like a normal TV show we watch in America because it's not written it's not written in English it's not yeah. written for an English audience yeah and even the the lifestyle of Europeans is different so di- different than here yeah that the 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 social aspects and the the how people relate to each other is just different it's it's the whole show kind of feels alien yeah and a, a little you, I, 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 I tend, I tended to feel withdrawing from some of it, but not the storyline from the interactions. Yeah. Like it was just almost like pulling away from a car crash. Like, yeah. ah, uh, can't recommend enough. It's huh. a twister. Okay. You, you, it, it's psychologically entertaining and thrilling and emotionally in, enthralling. Yeah. And okay. All right. The I'll dark. Put that, I'll put it's, that it's on the a, docket. It's, it's a deep one. Yeah. That isn't it's not community it's not it's not one where you even even ozark is a fun one but it's you don't have to pay such close attention yeah to that show that if you miss five minutes you miss an episode yeah you know that's that's the the dark is really one of those type of shows so it's Hmm. it is for not for the the faint of heart watcher yes but as far as just story writing and yeah, it's for an investment. It's one of the ones I've found in this time that I cannot recommend enough. Yeah. I'm putting it on the docket then. Do it. Nice. 
Um, thank you for coming, man. Yeah, this has been a blast. Me. We made two hours go by quick. We did. Uh, anything that you want to leave the listeners with uh, a nice message? Uh, any any words? Any sayings? Any anything for people to remember? You know what? Not really. Just uh, don't take don't take it, whatever it may be, that seriously. Don't take it that seriously. Yeah. And uh, what about if an apocalypse were to to start right now? What would be uh, your your one piece of advice for the person in your shoes who maybe feels like I don't want to deal with an apocalypse? Don't just die. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can that be the name of this episode? Just die. <laughs> Don't yep. just die. <laughs> exactly. That's the best advice. That'll save you a Don't, lot of heartache, I promise. Just, don't take it that seriously. Wait, instead of that, just don't. Just yeah. die. Yeah. 100%. That's my advice. You'll be a lot better off. Brian, and you won't know cuz you'll be dead. That's beautiful. Yeah. You won't. You're yeah. right. You're or if right. there's an afterlife, then you'll be in an afterlife, so it's a win-win situation. And I will end with saying and for the rest of you Drive like you know each other. Yeah.